Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The 2021 MLB season is here. And although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Ray Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Penny Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm up for Lee Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Got a great podcast for you guys. We're going to be joined by Scott Seidenberg in the second segment. He's been doing some work the last few weeks over there with the Vegas Sets and Information Network. He does an absolutely terrific job when it comes to all of his football podcasts as well as I know that he's getting geared up for that. And day in and day out, he does a tremendous job of taking a look at the baseball slate. So we're going to be taking a look at all of the games for Friday with him in the second segment. Also going to get his thoughts on some of these divisional races as well. So going to have some fun there. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys sign total on every game on the betting board. For this Friday, and a little something I like to call it, touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And you got one or two ways we are for those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. Naming does not matter, so as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast into that comments box. Did not wind up getting in any questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Thursday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. This is just flat out embarrassing for the LA Angels. They lost two straight games to the Baltimore Orioles, a.k.a. the Washington Generals, by a count of 13-1 to on Thursday as Jaime Barilla 
just did not wind up lasting long in this game. Three and the third innings, he gives up one run, so, I mean, it's not like he was terrible out there, but then from there, you had to go to Mr. Andrew Watts. He was able to get the team out of the fourth inning, and then this bullpen just lit the game on fire. Now, James Hoyt, with all of his five runs given up, they were all unearned as there was a trio of errors out there by the Angels that wound up costing him, but that is not great. Jose Quintana, who I thought had a chance to be able to start today because Reed Detmers is on the injured list. He has to come in in long relief. He gives up one run over the course of two innings. You wind up having a pair of guys that I don't know if anyone's ever heard of before. And Jake Petraka along with Elvis Pagrillo. They combine for an inning. And Mr. Pagrillo winds up giving up five runs at Petraka. He winds up giving up a home run in the process as going deep for the Baltimore Orioles in this one. Pedro Severino is 10th home run in season as Keegan Aiken. A guy who entered into this game with right around an 8 ERA. Gives up one run over the course of seven innings. That one run, a solo shot to Shohei Otani. His 41st home run of the season. From there, Mr. Ode Lopez gives you two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. So, the Orioles have won back-to-back games. I salute anyone who is bold enough to wind up doing a duty barley or just rolling over your winnings from one day to the other because... I was not bold enough to do that. The Chicago White Sox were able to take down the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 10-7 as the Blue Jays' playoff hopes are starting to wane as the White Sox were able to play a little bit of home run derby in this one. Cesar Hernandez is 21st home run season. Jose Abreu is 27th home run season. You had Eloy Jimenez get his 7th home run season. And Luis Robert was able to get his 4th. All but one of those home runs come off of Unjin Ryu, who gives up 3 home runs, 7 runs in total over the course of 3 and 2 thirds innings. Brad Hand, well, this hand has been slapping the Blue Jays in the face. He gives up 2 runs in 2 thirds of an inning. Trent Thornton, Taylor Saucedo both give you 1 and a 3rd inning scoreless out of the bullpen. Joaquin Soria gives you a pair of outs. And then Mr. Richards winds up giving up 1 of those home runs as he winds up going 1 and a 3rd innings, giving up 1 run in the process. And really, the main form of offense for the Blue Jays. Marcus Simeon, 4 RBI and 2 home runs in this one. He goes deep off of 1 Carlos Rodon and he goes deep off of Michael Kopech for his 31st and 32nd home runs of the year. For Kopech, this was an ERA booster. He gives up 5 runs in an inning, including 1 of those home runs. For Mr. Rodon, not the world's greatest start, but certainly could have been worse. Gives up 2 runs over the course of 5 innings. Spent a little bit of time on the injured list, so you'll take that. Ryan Tepere, Garrett Kershaw, Craig Kimbrell all come in and they all give you a scoreless saying with Kimbrell in the ninth inning once again, looking like the Craig Kimbrell that we saw with the Cubs. The San Francisco Giants, they take down the New York Metropolitans by a count of 3-2, to two, and this is looking like the beginning of the end for the Mets, as the San Francisco Giants get a home run off the bat of Chris Bryant, his 24th home run season that comes in the first inning off of one Carlos Carrasco actually gave a good start in this one. He gives up two runs over the course of seven innings, by far his best of the year. From there, Seth Lugo takes the L as he gave up a run without getting a single out. Aaron Loop, Trevor May, they both give you a scoreless inning. And for the Mets, once again, timely hitting, not their forte. Pete Alonso was able to get a home run in the sixth inning off of Alex Wood, his 29th of the season, but... That's all that this team would wind up getting as Wood. He winds up going five and a third innings, giving up that home run to Pete Alonso, and then from there, Jaron Garcia, one and two thirds innings scoreless. Dominique Leon, Jose Alvarez, both combined for a scoreless inning, and then Tyler Rogers comes in for the save. He winds up giving you a scoreless inning, and the Giants, 83 and 44, and this is a bunch that is just cooking with gas right now. How about the Pittsburgh Pirates? Their offense was cooking with gas as they take down the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 11-7. If you read it as it's on ESPN right now, 7-11 because these teams were open to giving up runs as Miles Mikolas, a.k.a. Michaelis. He winds up giving up three runs over the course of four and a third inning. C.J. McFarlane winds up getting the final two outs of the fifth inning as for the Pittsburgh Pirates, taking him deep. Gal Moran, his seventh home run season. How about Yoshi Satsugo? His fourth home run in like 10 days with the Pittsburgh Pirates. He goes deep off 
off of Genesis Cabrera, who's not looked good for the St. Louis Cardinals recently. That is his fourth home run as a Pirate. As Cabrera, he gave up six runs and he didn't get a single out. That is all that needs to be said there. Andrew Miller winds up giving up two runs in an inning himself. Daniel Ponce Leon, Junior Fernandez, both giving you a scoreless inning. And for the Cardinals, they were able to get a pair of home runs in this one. Umando Sosa, fourth home run season, and Nolan Arenado gets his 26th. Those both come off of Mitch Keller, who did not wind up giving a stellar start here as he winds up giving up seven runs over the course of five and a third innings. Bullpen was able to do their part from there. David Bernard, Chris Stratton, Chad Cool, they all give you a scoreless inning. And Kyle Keller goes two-thirds of an inning scoreless, but here's how bad it was for the St. Louis Cardinals. They were in absolute cruise mode in this game. They were up by a count of 7-1 going into the bottom of the third inning. They gave up an 8 spot in the bottom of the 7th. So, if you, like me, had the St. Louis Cardinals in this one, you are sick to your stomach. You've got to be really, really sick if you wound up having the Texas Rangers as well, which, if you wound up having the Texas Rangers, that is your own fault right there. But, with that said, they wind up losing to Cleveland Indians by a count of 10-6 as Jordan Lyles, once again, an absolutely poopy start. He gives up eight runs, and he winds up being able to record 11 outs, three and two-thirds innings. It did not go well for him. Dennis Santana, he gives up a solo run over the course of his one and a third innings. Josh Shorbage, Demarcus Evans, both give you a scoreless inning, and then Spencer Patton gives up a run as he winds up finishing out the final inning, and DJ Peters gets his sixth home run of the year, and his fourth home run in the last 14 days, so it's giving you a little bit of something, and Nick Solak was able to get his 10th home run season, as for the Cleveland Indians, this was sort of a mix and match sort of game, Sam Entages comes in for four innings, he gives up four runs, only two of which were earned, he winds up being hurt by an Owen Miller and Jose Ramirez error, as you wind up having Trevor Stevens from there, come in for two and two-thirds innings, he gives up one run in the process, Nick Wickren gives up a run in one and a third innings, and then Emmanuel Classe able to close it out. But how about the Cleveland Indians? Bradley Zimmer, sixth home run season. Miles Straw, his fourth. And then Mr. Miller was able to get his third home run of the season. So it was all about the Cleveland Indians offense in this one. And the Texas Rangers now averaging right around 2.7 runs per game ever since the All-Star break. That is still a league worse. A team that has been at their worst all year long. That'd be the Washington Nationals. And they wind up getting lit up by the Miami Marlins once again as it was a terrible start for Patrick Corbin, giving up six runs over the course of three innings, including a pair of home runs. Going deep for the Miami Marlins in this one, Miguel Rojas, he gets his seventh home run season. Ori Alfaro was able to get his fourth as Eliezer Hernandez gives up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of five innings. Now things wound up getting airy for the Miami Marlins bullpen. Austin Pruitt gives up a run in an inning. Stephen O'Kurt winds up giving you a squirrel setting along with Anthony Bender, but Anthony Bass wound up putting some men on base. He winds up giving up some runs in his relief appearance, but the Marlins were ultimately able to get the job done. As for the Washington Nationals, Juan Soto was able to get his 21st home run season in. Bullpen of the Nationals was pretty solid. You had Mason Thompson give up one under and run over the course of two innings, and then from there, you wind up having Sam Clay, Ryan Harper, along with Patrick Murphy. I'll give you a scoreless inning. The New York Yankees were able to run their win streak to a dozen, but boy, was there drama in this one. 7-6 to six a final. Looked like it would be a no-drama win early for the Yankees as they were able to get up by kind of 6-0 as they were able to take James Caprillion deep not once, not twice, but three times. John Carlos saying 23rd home run of the year, Brett Gardner is 6th, and Joey Gallo is 30th, but then... Jamison Tyon would give up a pair of homers. He went three and two-thirds innings, giving up five runs, and then Albert Abreu from there. He would give up a home run in one and a third innings, going deep for the Oakland A's. That would be Josh Harrison, his eighth homer of the season. Sean Murphy is 15th, and Matt Jamin is 20th. He has actually been quite odd here in the month of August as James Caprillion was able to complete five innings, gave up six runs in the process. From there, Yasmeto Petit, Andrew Chafin, Sergio Romo, I'll give you a scoreless inning, and then Lou Trevino. Another rough one from him. He winds up giving up a run in two-thirds of an inning, but 
before Jake Diekman winds up getting the final out of that ninth inning. And for the Yankees, bullpen was able to get it done. Jonathan Luizaga, two squirrel settings. Clay Holmes gives you a squirrel setting. And a Roldis Chapman. It was interesting, but he was able to strand a man on second as he was able to get the save with a squirrel setting. The Dodgers just continue the Padres' misery. The Padres have now lost 12 out of their last 14 games, and they get swept by the Dodgers. This one by a count of 4-0. It was Mr. Austin Barnes who wound up having the big hit for the Dodgers in this one. He winds up going deep. That was his fifth home run of the campaign, and for the Dodgers, you Darvish, not necessarily the start he was looking for. Gives up four runs over the course of six innings, and now he has given up four-plus runs in four out of his last five starts. This has to be the first time in his career that this has happened, as he has not looked sharp. Craig Salmon was able to give you two scoreless innings, and Sean Anderson was able to give you a scoreless inning, but flat out, nothing to him for the Padres against Mad Max Scherzer. Scherzer was dominant in this one. Ten punch outs, he gives up two hits in seven and two-thirds innings. Shane Green winds up giving it out out of the bullpen, and then Joe Kelly was able to complete the ninth inning, so the Dodgers, they maintain pace with the San Francisco Giants as that race is going to be very intriguing. We'll talk about that a little bit later with Scott Seidenberg, but the Seattle Mariners, they're looking to keep themselves relevant in the American League playoff picture, and this did not wind up helping them. The Royals take down the Seattle Mariners by a count of 6-4. Four. For the M's, they were able to get a pair of home runs. Jake Fraley, ninth home run season. That comes off of Joel Payampas, and in the same inning as that one, Kyle Seeger was able to get his 30th home run in the campaign. That comes off of Brad Keller, who winds up giving up two runs in four and a third innings. Joel Payampas gives up the other home run, giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning, but Ryan Lovelady and Scott Barlow both give you scoreless innings, and Irvin Santana comes in for two scoreless as Salvador Perez continues his just absolute terror. 35th home run of the season. He was able to get a grand slam in this one as the Seattle Mariners were up by a count of 4-0. to That grand slam by Perez wound up wiping all that out. And the Kansas City Royals from there were able to take control. As Yusei Kikuchi winds up giving up four runs over the course of five innings. And then Josh Smith was the one that winds up giving up the dinger as he gave up one earned run over the course of an inning. But he was the one that gave up the grand slam. From there, Eric Swanson gives up an unearned run of the bullpen in an inning. Matt Andres, Johan Ramirez, both able to give you scoreless things. Speaking of things being scoreless, the Minnesota Twins, by and large, were all pretty scoreless against the Boston Red Sox. 12-2 the finalist. John Gant, not the start he was looking for. Gives up three hits, three walks, four runs in total over the course of four innings. Kyle Bearclaw gives up a run in an inning, but nobody had a worse day than Mr. Edgar Garcia. He gives up seven runs in one and two-thirds innings. He now has a 12-20-70 RA. From there, Ralph Gaza Jr. was able to give you a scoreless out. And Williams Asadio comes into pitch the final inning as he also had a home run in this game. He pitched a scoreless inning for the Minnesota Twins in the 8th. And he also had the low two batted in runs in this one with his 7th home run season. That comes out for his sale. For sale, he does give up that home run, but gives up two runs over the course of five and a third innings. Garrett Woodlock is able to give you five outs of the bullpen. And then Garrett Richards and Matt Barnes. We're both able to give you a scoreless inning, and things were not necessarily scoreless out there in Philadelphia as the Arizona and the Diamondbacks cling to dear life to be able to get an 8-7 to win over the Philadelphia Phillies as the Phillies entered the bottom of the ninth inning, down by a count of 8-2, to and the Arizona Diamondbacks almost pulled an all-timer as for the Diamondbacks, Zach Gallon looked very good in this one. He gives up two runs over the course of five innings, but they were both unearned runs now. One of those errors as the Diamondbacks committed. Three of them was on his own merit, but I will say this. How often do you see it where a team winds up giving up seven runs and none of them were earned? That's what happened in this one is Joe Bennett typically gives you a scoreless saying. Caleb Smith, Jake Faria both give you a combined two scoreless things, and then 
Brett Geis and No Ramirez combined to be able to finish out the ninth inning. They gave up a combined five runs, but none of them were earned due to errors. I don't think I've ever seen that before as Nick Abad was able to go deep in this one off of Matt Gimme some more his fourth home run season and then Carson Kelly was able to get his tenth home run season. That comes off of Bailey Falter and Falter wound up faltering in this one giving up that solo home run over the course of one and a third innings. Sam Coonrod was able to give you a one and two third inning appearance. He winds up giving up a run in the process. Matt, give me some more. Well, he has not necessarily been great for the team. He gives up four runs over the course of four innings. You probably want more if you're the Philadelphia Phillies. J.D. Hammer gives up two runs in one and two thirds innings. And Jose Alvarado was able to give you an out of the bullpen. And Gene Segura winds up taking Zach Gallon deep. His ninth home run season in one of the more insane games that you're ever going to see with seven unearned runs that were given up by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And speaking of insane, this entire year in baseball has been insane. But one thing that has also been very insane, how good these bookmakers are at being able to set totals. You just take a look at the season to date. It is relatively a dead eat between overs and unders. 900 and 900, 904 overs. If you're looking at favorites, they for the season... 1,127 and 759, so they're hitting just below 60% for the campaign home teams in that time span. 1,042 and 861, so they're hitting a little bit below 55%. If you're looking over the last seven days, home teams 44 and 44. Meanwhile, favorites, they are dominating. 65.5% clip, 57 and 30. Overs and unders in that time span, we're seeing a lean to the under. 45 unders, 37 overs, that's about 55%. And if you're looking over the last 30 days, it has been all about the unders as well, with 191 unders, 184 overs, and in that time span, favorites, 253 and 141. So, over the last 30 days, hopefully you've been betting favorites. They're hitting at a clip of about 64.2% in home teams in that time span. 208 and 189. So, that's what we all saw for Major League Baseball on Thursday, and that's what we're all seeing in general. Coming up next, we're going to be looking at the Friday slate and looking at some of these intriguing playoff races with Scott Seidenberg doing some terrific work over there right now with the Vegas Heads and Information Network and the ESPN radio affiliate out there in the great state of New York. And that's on the other side right here on the Baseball podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in Love Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Great to be joined by our guest, Scott Seidenberg. He's been doing some work recently over here with the Vegas Ads and Information with us on the weekends. Does an absolutely tremendous job when it comes to being able to take a look at the baseball betting board. And I know that he is getting prepared for the football season. I know that on his Twitch account and so many other places, he has been doing a great look of taking a look at college football season win totals. He's been heard on the ESPN affiliate out there in the state of New York in recent weeks as well. And to be able to follow Scott on Twitter, that is at Scott's on air altogether. And Scott, great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Greg, anytime. I'll try to stay as hot as the Yankees. Oh, absolutely. That is going to be absolutely insane. And how about if we start right there for the game that's going to be going on on Friday between the Yankees and the Oakland A's. As for the A's, it's going to be Sean Manea taking the bump. And he certainly has had his ups and his downs, but by and large has been able to do a relatively solid job, especially keeping the walks down. And against the Yankees, he's looked relatively solid. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side for the Yankees, and it's going to be Garrett Cole taking the bump, who in his two starts that's coming off the COVID injured list has looked very solid. 11 and two-thirds innings, giving up one run, and it certainly has been a fascinating Yankee team in which I don't know if I would necessarily say they look convincing in this win streak, but 
With that said, they have been able to find a way to be able to get the job done. On some nights, it's someone like Joey Gallo, Aaron Judge, what have you, coming up with a clutch home run. Other nights, the bullpen has come in and been nails. Other nights, the bullpen has been a little bit shaky, but somehow, someway, found a way to be able to get the last couple outs. How do you evaluate this game? Because with the Yankees, they are white hot, and as I mentioned, they've just done it in so many different ways the last two weeks. Yeah, and this one's going to be on Garrett Cole for me. And I truly believe, and, and I talked about this on Vison a couple of weeks ago, Greg, where I thought that sprinkling some money on Garrett Cole to win the American League Cy Young was a good bet. This is before he came back from the COVID IL. And the, my reason being was because Garrett Cole's going to be pitching in games down the stretch that are going to be of importance for the Yankees in this playoff push, right, for the wild card or for the division. And if he's impressive in these games, he could very easily win this award. Well, Garrett Cole has been excellent in his two starts coming back from the COVID IL, and I see him continuing this because it's not just the playoff push that he's pitching for. It's a Cy Young right now that is well within his reach that he is potentially pitching for. I think that's in the back of his mind. I think he's going out here with a determined focus, and I would back him every single start for the remainder of the season. So going up against this A's team, small road favorites with Garrett Cole. I like him in the first five. I'm going to ride Garrett Cole in this Yankees hot team. Yep, and for the New York Post, I am going to be doing a little bit of a write-up of this as I'm going to be taking the under myself because, to your point, Garrett Cole, best whip among qualifying starters out there in the big leagues. He also leads the big leagues in strikeouts with 191, so he certainly has been able to get the job done. Speaking of being able to get the job done, that is certainly what we've been seeing recently with the San Francisco Giants. As It looks like it's going to be Kevin Gosman, but we're not 100% sure when it comes to the San Francisco Giants. Meanwhile, it's going to be Max Free going for the Atlanta Braves. And right now, as I'm seeing it, only DraftKings has a line on this as the Braves are minus 125 with Freed. And I think it's interesting because we have seen if it does wind up being Kevin Gosman, obviously a little bit subject to change. He's had a little bit of a fall off ever since the beginning of the month of July, posting right around a five-ish ERA. So it has been a little bit more shaky there in the Atlanta Braves. They have been able to round into form, but we know this with the Giants as well. One thing that they did against the New York Mets and have been doing all year long, they've been closing out these close games. And with the Atlanta Braves, the reason why they lost that series against the Yankees is that they were unable to get the job done in close games. And I think that that needs to come into play, whether it be Gosman or someone else, because this Giants bullpen has been very good recently. Very good, but also very taxed. Some dangerous weather in the forecast, and I think the Giants would pray for rain as they would love to get a night off here, Greg. You know, Tyler Rogers pitched two days in a row against the New York Mets. So did Leon. Uh, they didn't even have McGee available on Thursday night for the save. They had to go to Rogers for the save because they had to give McGee the night off. So this bullpen has been asked to do a lot here in the dog days of summer, and it's amazing. The Giants with the best record in Major League Baseball, 83 and 44, yet they only have a tiny, tiny lead in their division. So, you know, this is the time of the year where you expect a team that's, you know, 30-something games over 500. Hey, you can chill out a little bit, but no, they're having to use their best arms out of the bullpen every single night to secure these wins. Uh, That's the only thing that worries me here against the Braves team that has been playing so well, is that the Giants bullpen arms are taxed, and I'm not sure who's going to be available out of the pen here on Friday. Yeah, that is going to be a little bit of a concern for the Giants, but as we know with the Giants as well, this is a team that just somehow, someway, they've been able to find a way to get it done, and if Gosman winds up going, gotta feel like he's gonna be a little bit motivated going up against a Braves team that he was pitching for a couple years ago. I don't know if too many people wind up remembering that stint of Kevin Gosman's career, but certainly going to be a fascinating storyline there, as we do have Scott Seidenberg joining me on the podcast. What else I think is really interesting is just some of these races in general, because 
We are talking about the San Francisco Giants and the Dodgers, even though they're with a to-be-determined starter, they're going to be playing against the Colorado Rockies. And if you don't wind up getting the job done against the Colorado Rockies at home, something has went wrong there. But I think that this is by far the most fascinating race out there in all of baseball at this point, just because you've got two teams that are separated between two and a half and three games of each other. And the Padres, they have certainly fallen themselves out of the NLS. And whoever winds up losing in this race, no doubt they're going to be making the postseason. But I just take a look at it, and there has to be all the pressure in the world on both of these teams night in and night out because to be able to win this division, they're probably going to need to get north of 100 wins. And how heartbreaking would it be for either the Giants or the Dodgers to go something like 102 and 60 and your award is congratulations you've got a one game wild card in order to get into the actual postseason and i think it's more pressing for the giants greg because i think the dodgers are okay in a one game playoff scenario because they have a multitude of guys that you're confident throwing in that one game. If Kershaw comes back from the IL, right? Kershaw can pitch that game. Walker Bueller is the uh, leader of that rotation, right? And now we got Max Scherzer. He can throw that game as well. So you're okay, or you got Julio Urias, whatever you want to do. You're okay if you're the Dodgers in that one-game playoff scenario. I don't think that they're going to be maneuvering their rotation at the end of the season to set things up for that one-game playoff. I think whoever it is, they're happy with it. The Giants, meanwhile, it's got to be Gosman, right? If it's not Gosman, DiSclefani, you're okay with, I guess. I mean, if he's not pitching against the Dodgers, he's pitching, you know, he'll be fine, right? Well, you know, Webb, Cueto, I just don't know who they would be 100% sold on as the number one guy to go into a wild card game. So I think it's more pressing for them to win the division, set their rotation up for the division series, as opposed to rely on that one game scenario. The one benefit in that one game scenario though, Greg, is that you could just go to your bullpen early and you could see guys like McGee and Rogers pitching multiple innings and getting eight, 10 outs. And and then they shorten the game and that's how they win it. I will say for Logan Webb, he has given up two runs or fewer in each out of his last 12 starts. So he has actually been very much an ace for the San Francisco Giants here down the stretch. But obviously, a little bit of a younger guy is going to be a big game if he winds up pitching in a one-game playoff. And who knows what winds up happening down the stretch because with the Dodgers, to your point, they do have a multitude of guys. There's only one real team in the entire National League that I think can match up with their starting pitching, and that'd be the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, the Brewers are going to be going up against the Twins on Friday. Eric Lauer is going to be going for them, and he's actually looked relatively solid. He's certainly not won their aces, but you've got Andrew Albers, a 35-year-old who was in the NPB last year. A couple years ago, was out there in the KBO. He's going to be going for the Minnesota Twins, but taking a look at it, I like the Brewers for tomorrow. And moving forward, I think that this is a team that could really be fasting out there in the National League because you rattle off all those starters with the Dodgers. You've got Brandon Woodruff, you've got Corbin Burns, and then you've got Freddie Peralta for the Milwaukee Brewers. On top of that, Devin Williams, Josh Hader in the bullpen. And I think that this is a one team out there in the National League that's able to match or perhaps even exceed a little bit the Dodgers and all that they're able to throw out there with their pitching staff. Oh, I 100% agree. And, you know, Yelich is starting to come along. You know, it's like, it seems like every game you watch for the Brewers, and every time Yelich gets a hit, the announcers are like, well, here he comes. Yelich is turning it on now. He's figured something out. He's getting the ball in the air more. Uh, So, you know, he homered at home. I think it was last week for like the first time in months. (laughs) And so now he's starting to feel really good. Um, I I just really like this Brewers team. I like them on 
Friday. I'm surprised the line is not higher. It probably will move by the time first pitch comes, but I would go with them in the first five because I'm going to back Lauer in this situation. You mentioned he's been very good lately, and this Brewers team has a lot to play for right now. I really like backing them. I really do. Yeah, and with Andrew Albers, 35-year-old making his first MLB start since 2017. That's not necessarily something that I want to get in on at like a plus 120. That's just not enough to be able to take because we do have Scott Seidenberg joining me on the podcast. And Scott, I know you've been tweeting about this a lot, that you really do wind up taking a lot of first fives. Pretty much all your bets are first five, team totals, things like this. But when you take a look at it, are there a couple teams that maybe you would be willing to look at a little bit more for a full game? Because I do agree with you. A reason why I don't wind up taking the Arizona Diamondbacks, even when they do have a lot of their good starters out there like maybe a Zach Allen, maybe you throw out there a Madison Bumgarner is because the bullpen is going to light the game on fire and you sort of bank on that. But when I take a look at a team like the Milwaukee Brewers that have been consistent time and time again with their bullpen, I think that they warrant a little bit more trust. So I do see a lot of scenarios in which if I were to play a first five, I play a little bit more differently than the full game with a team like, say, the Brewers. You were able to throw in there the San Diego Padres, though their bullpen is obviously getting taxed as well. I do think that there are some teams that you have to play vastly differently if you're a full game better rather than if you're a first five better. It depends on the line. The Yankees on Thursday night were just minus 110, and that's you know, for me, that was an auto fire on a team that's been as hot as them, you know, take them for the full game. Right. And then you look at, you know, the situation where, you know, maybe on Friday night, the Rays are minus 216 against the Orioles, McClanahan against Matt Harvey. Well, I'm probably just going to attack Matt Harvey and go with the first five. And here's the thing, Greg, going with the first five run line to me is the best bet in Major League Baseball, because think about it. The full game run line is a run and a half, and it's very difficult to sit there, especially, you know, if you do, you have to do it with a road team because you can't do it with a home team because you're not guaranteed that ninth inning at bats. But it's hard to sit there and say, you got to win the game by multiple runs. And how frustrating is it when a team actually wins a game, but you lose your bet because they only won the game by one run? So you can, instead of laying the heavy money line and instead of risking a run and a half, you could lower that juice by risking minus a half a run and hoping that the team has a lead after five innings. You can take a line that is minus 260 and turn it into a minus 170 or 150 even, depending on what the matchups are. And to me, it's just an incredible way to mitigate the risk while also getting the benefit of banking on one of these favorites to take a lead against the opposing team's starting pitcher. And I do think that that is a little bit situation by situation as well, because when you take a look at some of these teams in which they've got a good starter, but they're on a really bad team, you might not want to be firing on like a run and a half on the run line. But to your point, when you wind up getting someone like, We're going to throw out there Matt Manning, for instance, of the Detroit Tigers. Well, Matt Manning has not necessarily been so great. The bullpen has actually been halfway decent for the Detroit Tigers ever since the All-Star break. Prior to the All-Star break, it was bad. And, of course, I wound up having the Tigers when their bullpen was absolutely horrendous (laughs) last Thursday (laughs) against the LA Angels where they blew a 10-2 lead. That's just an all-timer right there, but... There are times in which you probably want to be going money line versus run line. And I wind up going through this with full games myself because there are sometimes like with Yankees versus the Oakland A's. I'm right now seeing the Yankees at right around a minus 140-ish. If you're looking at the run line for a full game, you're only getting right in the neighborhood of about a plus 110 to a plus 115. So you're getting a plus price, but it's not necessarily much of one. We were just talking about how the Yankees have sort of cobbled this win streak together with having some 
bullpen, I guess you could call it shenanigans, but in the end, being able to pull it out by one run. I mean, we just saw with the Dodgers as well. This is a team that going into yesterday, they had won, I believe it was 11 out of their last 12 games, and six of those games have been by one run. So I do think that you want to be evaluating this on a situation-by-situation basis and looking into those numbers as well because there have been some teams that they have just been absolute machines at being able to cover the run line. Meanwhile, there are some teams with very good records that they're not covering that run line for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it goes matchup by matchup. It's situation by situation. But I definitely think that there are areas where you can clearly take advantage of it. And speaking of a full game play, you know, this is something that I never thought I would say a couple of months ago. But I like backing Jay Happ. <laughs> Greg, this guy has been completely different since coming over to the National League and joining the Cardinals. He was the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball, essentially, when he was with Minnesota. And now he's with St. Louis in four starts for St. Louis. He's allowed five runs. You know, he's 2-0, and and he is pitching great. You know, this is a guy who gave up nine runs to the Detroit Tigers in his last start with Minnesota. And he has been certainly a revelation for this Cardinals team. Not a heavy favorite the Cardinals are against the Pirates on the road, but I would look towards uh, backing Jay Happ. I can't believe that those words just came (laughs) out of my mouth. And I can't believe that I'm going to be looking at an under in this game myself because with Dylan Peters, he's actually looked very solid in his few starts for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And this is a Pirates team that they are dead last in the big leagues when it comes to runs per game. They have not generated any power whatsoever. And you've got a St. Louis Cardinals team that they've been in the bottom three with regards to runs per game ever since the beginning of June themselves. So you've got two light inning teams. Pittsburgh is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. And you mm-hmm. got a guy in half who you mentioned the fact that he's given up five runs. Four of them have been via home runs. So yep. that has been very fascinating. But who on the Pirates other than Brian Reynolds is going to give you a home run? <laughs> Colin Moran? I don't know. Yeah. It's certainly it's not necessarily too appealing there, but it is going to be fascinating to see if the Cardinals can claw back into that wild card race because, as we know, with the Pirate with the Padres really hitting the skids, it has cause for a lot of openness there. And, Scott, I know that you're going to be taking a look at this and so much more. I know that you're going to be on VSIN this weekend, and I know that you're going to be doing quite a bit with VSIN next week as well as you're going to be a very busy man. I know that you're getting set for the football season, doing a great job day in and day out when it comes to the baseball betting board as well. So let the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, busy weekend coming up. i got Saturday and Sunday on VSIN from noon to 3 with the pregame show and betting across America. And then Sunday night I'll be on ESPN Radio in New York on 98.7, so you can follow along on the ESPN app. But just follow me on Twitter at Scott's On Air. It's S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Post all my appearances. Yeah, some exciting announcements coming soon that I just can't wait for, Greg. Absolutely. Scott has been doing a great job over here the last few weeks with the Vegas Hats and Information Network. He's doing a great job posting up season win totals when it comes to all forms of football. And he does a great job whenever he joins this podcast. So big thanks to Scott for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Friday and a little something like called Touch Em All. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. 
Always a pleasure to be joined by Scott Seidenberg. Does a terrific job as he's been hosting quite a few of these past weekends over there with the Vegas Hats and Information Network. You're going to be catching him more on the network in future weeks as well. And it is always great to get him aboard on this podcast. So big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Friday. And a little something you like to call touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenScorty1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation or this is where we go with the National League games first, then American League games, and any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. We do have a few of those, so we are going to be hitting on all of them. couple to be determined starters, but certainly we are going to be doing our best when it comes to that. As we begin with 9-1 9 or 2 on the bank board. The Philadelphia Phillies are going to be playing us to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Taylor Widener is going to be going for the D-backs. Aaron Supernola is going to be on the bump for the Phillies. Phillies will find themselves anywhere between minus 215 and minus 240. Meanwhile, your plus price with the Snakes is anywhere between a buck 95 and $2. Your total on games 8.5. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 110. We'll end up saying this all at 8.7 because take a look at Widener and think that he's going to get a little bit lit up in this start. Though I will say, hasn't necessarily been overly bad. And in his last three starts, he has given up a combined four runs, going five innings in every one of them. So he's been able to give you a nice dosage there. He has been giving up the deep ball a little bit. This is someone that his home runs per nine rate, that is right around two-ish so far this year. But interestingly enough, 316 ERA on the road, 663 ERA at home. So he certainly has been much more effective away from Arizona. His opponents hitting a 282 off of him at home. Buck 94 off of him on the road, and then you take a look at Mr. Supernola, and he has been much better at home so far this year. His ERA at home is offering right around a 3-3, record across 11 starts, giving up 8 home runs at 65 innings, and his strikeouts per 9 rate is sky high. He's getting right around 12 punch outs per 9 innings. Meanwhile, on the road, giving up 13 home runs over the course of 78 and a third innings, and you take a look at his ERA, that is right around a 5-1-7. Now, with both of these bullpens, they have their deficiencies to say the least. The Phillies bullpen has certainly been better at home with guys like Archie Bradley being able to give you a little bit of something. Connor Brogdon has had his ups and his downs. Bailey Falter has faltered on the road at home. He's actually been a little bit better and then Hammer Time. J.D. Hammer has been very good for the scene. Meanwhile, for the Diamondbacks really, Tyler Clippert is your most trustworthy guy at this point. They bring in J.B. Wendell Ken, someone that I always liked with the Oakland A's but Joe Manette Dipley, you're able to throw in their pet to guys. Don't have a lot of faith in these guys and for the Diamondbacks, you've got no players with north of 12 home runs so far this year on the roster. You've got Josh Ross along with Pavin Smith. Both of these guys between 10 and 11 home runs now. You do have the Marte Parte of Quintel Marte. He's hitting a 350 for this bunch and got a couple guys in between about a 230 and 240. Dalton show Christian Walker, Ezrubo Cabrera. But then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies and Bryce Harper has done a great job of getting on base. 415 on base. Problem is all before of his 23 home runs have been solo shots. You've got Odubo Herrera. You're able to throw in there Ronald Torres, Travis Janikowski, and JT Riumito. All guys hitting between about at 250 and a 265. You need more out of Didi Gregorius and Brad Miller, both of these guys hitting in the neighborhood about a 220, but Gene Segura has been able to hit about a 290 for the seam and for the Arabs and the Diamondbacks. Things have been just very bad for them on the road. They entered into yesterday with a road record of 16 and 49. It's not like they're great at home, but certainly they have been much worse on the road. Meanwhile, with the Phillies, this is a team that they entered into yesterday, nine games above 500 at home, nine games below 500 on the road. So they certainly have been a little bit of a different team there. With regards to money line, I wound up saying the Phillies as more around about a minus 240, but I'm looking to reduce the juice here. Run line price I'm seeing is anywhere between minus 110 
at a minus 115. Certainly going to be taking my shot there because I do think that we're going to see quite a few runs given up by the Diamondbacks. So that's the total 8.7. So going over along to Philly's run line. 9-3, 9-4 on the bang board. The St. Louis Cardinals at the road face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Dylan Peters is going to be going for the Buccos. Jap is going to be hoping to not be hapless for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals anywhere between minus 151 and minus 155 favorites. Plus price here with Pittsburgh is anywhere between plus 135 and plus 141. Nine is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even at minus 110. I wound up saying this total at a 9 with minus 110 juice. So that means that seeing the 9 with the minus 120 juice can probably be taking a look at the under in this spot, being able to get even money there. And when it comes to the Pittsburgh Pirates, I was willing to take anything above a plus 130. J. Epp certainly has been hapless all year long. If you look over his last 18 starts, he's got an ERA that hovers right around 7 now. Ever since he got to St. Louis, he has been a little bit better. He's got a four-start sample size with St. Louis. He has still given up the deep ball. Four home runs given up in 22 and two-thirds innings, but he's given up pretty much nothing but home runs. Buck 99 ERA, and this is a Pittsburgh Pirates team that really you've got one guy that's going deep for this team. That would be Brian Reynolds sitting above a 300. He has been able to give the team north of 20 home runs, but you take a look at Dylan Peters. Small sample size, but in two starts, he has given up one earned run in both of those. He wound up giving up two total runs against the Brewers. There was a error committed behind him, but by and large, he's looked very solid. You take a look at what he wound up doing a few years ago back when he was with the LA Angels, and wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. He wound up, during that 2019 season, wound up getting 12 starts, wound up going 4-4. Four and four. Certainly need to lock in when it came to giving up the deep ball, and it looks like he's been able to do so. He's a guy that doesn't necessarily get a bunch of swings and misses, but he does a good job of being able to limit the hard contact, and this is a St. Louis bunch that they entered into yesterday with the second fewest runs per game in the National League ever since the beginning of the month of June, but they've been able to bust out as you've got a lot of guys in Nolan Arenado, Dylan Carlson, you're able to throw in there Umando Sosa, Lars Nupar, Harrison Bader, Tommy Edmond, all these guys in between about a 248 and a 262. Now you take a look at Paul Goldschmidt and he has really been able to find it hitting well above a 300 since the beginning of the month of July. Now his 20 plus home runs, Nolan Arenado, he has been able to go deep 25 times for this punch. Got his 26th yesterday. Yadier Molina is hitting a 260. So you've got a lot of balanced bats in this lineup. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates and got a couple guys getting on for you. Wilmer Defoe, Ben Gamble, Cabrian Ace. These guys are hitting about a 252, a 265. I mentioned the fact that you've been able to get a lot of production out of Reynolds, but really the only guy that has north of 10 home runs for this team outside of Reynolds, that'd be Gregory Belunco as he, Michael Perez, Kaye Tom, you're able to throw in there someone like Ahoy Park and Kevin Newman. These guys are in a 225 or lower, so it certainly has been brutal there. Now with the Pittsburgh Pirates, I do think that they are going to be able to get to happen this spot as I think that the St. Louis Cardinals are going to need to rely a lot on their bullpen. And we have seen a little bit of regression with some of these bullpen pieces. Genesis Cabrera, really ever since the beginning of the month of June, he has been starting to hit a little bit of a snag. I will say, maybe they will get a little bit more of something out of TJ McFarland, who has been able to do a relatively solid job for this bunch, and they are using now Kwon Young Kim as sort of a super reliever, so I think that that's fascinating, but they're also looking at Daniel Ponce de Leon being able to give the team some long relief, and I do think that the Pirates are going to be able to get to Mr. Happ in this spot, so with the 9, if I wind up getting the even juice I'm seeing right now in the under, I'm going to wind up taking a shot there, just because Pittsburgh is very much pitcher-friendly, and I do think that it's going to be a situation which have winds up just giving up one or two too many deep shots. So we're going to be looking at the under if we wind up getting the even juice there. And I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Pittsburgh Pirates. 905-906 on the betting board. The New York Mets are going to be playing against the Washington Nationals. Paulo Espino is going to be going for the Nets. Rich Hill is going to be on the bump for the Mets. Mets are finding themselves at minus 220.
120 on DraftKings, which is the only place I've got a line right now as I'm doing this. Meanwhile, plus 180 is your price on the Nationals. Enough is your total. Over is minus 120, under is even. Espinosa certainly is at his trials and tribulations, to say the least. He wound up actually having a very good run of things in his first couple starts. That has since dried up. He has now given up about 1.6-ish home runs per nine innings. You take a look at what he's done recently, and... To say that it's not been good would be generous as he has given up so far this month across four starts, 15 runs and 14 and a third innings. That is a north of nine ERA. He's given up five home runs in that time span as well. Not a guy that's going to walk you, which is something that you do like he's given out less than two walks per nine innings, so he's held it down there, but then you take a look at Rachel, and ever since he's gotten to the New York Mets, it hasn't been terrible, but at the same time, it has been far from great, and it's a situation in which, if he gives up the hard contact, he gives up a lot of hard contact, as he has made four starts, he has given up three home runs in those last four starts, and all of them came in one game against the LA Dodgers, so that's just the way that Rich Hill sort of is. He's probably going to give you five innings, and he's probably going to give you three runs given up. Nothing more, nothing less. That's really what he's done ever since he's gotten to the New York Metropolitans, as in five starts, he's got a 5.06 ERA, so there has been that going on, and for the Mets, they actually do back him up with a very good bullpen. Seth Lugo has been able to do his part for this team. Miguel Castro is giving you some good innings. Aaron Loop is someone I do like him for the Washington Nationals. They're having to travel from Miami after they wound up getting just completely clobbered on Thursday. You've got quite a few guys in the lineup that are giving you a little bit of something. you got Yael Hernandez, Juan Soto. Both of these guys are hitting a 300 for Soto. He's been able to do a great job with the 442 on base. Home runs have been drying up a little bit. Pedia and Josh Bell between 19 and 21 home runs apiece. You got a guy in Trace Barreta along with Alcides Escobar. These guys are in between about a 272 to 280, so they've been able to give you a little bit of something, but Victor Robles, Luis Garcia, got a couple other guys are in below a 225 for this bunch, so that's been a little bit rough now with Washington Nationals. Bullpen of guys like Kyle Finnegan, Ryan Harper, they've actually been able to do their part. Gabe Klobatis has been able to give you a couple decent innings, and for the New York Mets, this team entered into Thursday with the second fewest runs per game out there in the big leagues to only the Pittsburgh Pirates. You take a look at what you've been able to get out of some of these bats and it has not been good as you wound up having one guy in the starting lineup yesterday with north of a 260 batting average. That would be Brandon Nimmo now. J.D. Davis, whenever he's out there, he's been solid. They just got Francisco Lindor off the injured list, but he hasn't done anything all year long for you. you got Avi Baez, along Tom Smith, Jonathan VR. You're able to throw in there James McCann, who's been dealing with injury. All these guys are in between about a 240 to a 250. Pete Alonso, no doubt he's been solid. Hitting a 260, 28 home runs. Does a good job of being able to find a way on base, but this is also a Mets team that I do think that they're in need of being able to get right in. Really, the only team that they've been able to get right on all year long is the Nationals. I wound up saying the Mets as a minus 204 favorite on the money line. On the run line, I'd be willing to take this right around about a minus 115. At DraftKings, I'm seeing it at even money. I think that we're going to see them probably laying a little bit more of a price when this winds up coming out to more books. But with that said, most likely going to be taking a look at the Mets on the run line. I did wind up saying this all 9.2 with the way that Espinosa has not been in good recent form. So, most likely an over along with the Mets run line. 907-908 on the bang board. The Miami Marlins are going to be playing out to the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati and they're on to Wade Miley taking the bump for them. Meanwhile, Zach Thompson is going to be going for the Fishies. Your tallest game is 8 over and under anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. Reds are finding themselves anywhere between minus 145, minus 150 plus price here with Miami is anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135. 
five. Zach Thompson has actually been relatively solid here down the stretch for the Miami Marlins. I take a look at what he's been able to do, and he's been able to hold down the fort. Now, the Marlins do benefit from playing in arguably the most pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in the big league, so that has kept our contact down. The ballpark has just given up the fewest home runs, both for and against the Miami Marlins all season long, but you take a look at Thompson, 297 ERA. He's given up five home runs across 57 and two-thirds innings. Walks per nine is hovering right around about a 3.8-ish, but at home, 227 ERA across six starts. He's given up just two home runs, and opponents turning a 205 off of him, so he certainly has been able to do his part. Then you take a look at Wade Miley, and on the road, he has been very good. 339 ERA on the road, 240 ERA at home, so he's obviously been a little bit better at Cincinnati, but you take a look at him on the road, giving up six home runs at 66 and a third innings, and opponents turning a 220 off of him. You'll take that all day long, and for the Cincinnati Reds, you have been dealing with an injury to Jesse Winker, but it is not matter because Taylor Naquin has been able to step up for the team. He's now hitting right around a 270. You've got Nick Castellanos is up to 24 home runs, hitting well above a 300. How about Johnson Indy as a leadoff hitter? About a 390 on base. Got his 17th home run season last year. Tucker Barnard, Tyler Stevenson, both of these guys at their catcher spot are in north of a 265. Joey Votto has the most home runs in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. He's been able to give you 28 in general, hitting a 275. And Yoshino Suarez is back to fold, only hitting about a buck 70, but at the same time, he has been able to give you north of 20 home runs as well. And for the Reds, the bullpen has looked much more solid than it did at the beginning of the year. Now, you did wind up using up Mike Lorenzen along with Michael Givens yesterday, but you still have quite a few guys like a Luis Sessa that you're able to rely upon. It looks like TJ Antone is back on the injured list, so that certainly hurts this team, but the bullpen has been a little bit better. And for the Miami Marlins, their saving grace all year long has been the bullpen. They're in the top 10 with regards to bullpen ERA. I think that you're going to be able to get some good innings out of guys like Richard Blyer, Anthony Bender, if you need to go to him, Dylan Floro as well. But then you take a look at the Miami Marlins on offense, and they seem to be shaping up a little bit. Jesus Aguiar wound up entering into last week with the most RBI out there in the National League. He's been able to go deep 22 times. He's got a batting average hovering right around at 265. Got a lot of guys hitting between about a 240 to a 250. Lewis Princeton, Jesus Sanchez, Brian Anderson able to throw in their Oreo Faro as well. And Brian De La Cruz is hitting right around like a 330 for the team, which is insane. Miguel Ross is back to full. He's hitting about a 275. So I did take a look at the spot, and I do think that you're going to be able to get a relatively solid start here from Zach Thompson, but with the Reds, was willing to lay up to about a minus 145-ish in this spot, so I'm going to be looking at the Reds on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line with the Reds in this spot, I'm seeing that at about a plus 110, being that this is such a pitcher-friendly ballpark, I would need more of a plus price to be able to take a shot there, so I'm going to play it safe on the money line. Also, why I'm saying this all at 7.9, I think that both of these guys are going to be able to turn a nice start, so going under along the Reds. 909-910 on the bang board, the San Francisco Giants at the Red face off gets the Atlanta Braves. Max Freed is going to be going for the Braves. Right now, ESPN is listing Kevin Gosman. The betting board says to be determined. Only DraftKings has a line on this. They've got the Atlanta Braves at minus 125, plus 105 on the Giants. 8.5 is your total over is minus 120, and the under is even. My line, as if we are getting Gosman versus Freed, is Giants minus 130, 8.3 for a total. So, on the same half, I'd be taking a look at the under and pretty much anything where I wind up getting a plus price with the San Francisco Giants. Certainly count me in on that. With Kevin Gosman, we have seen a little bit of regression for him ever since the beginning of the month of July. He does have an ERA that hovers right around 5, so it certainly has been tough for him whenever he faces off against teams not named the Arizona Diamondbacks. He certainly has been a little bit rough, but you also take a look at Max Freed as well, and he's had an up-and-down season to say the least. He has been able to rein it in a little bit more recently, right around 2.8 walks per 9, and he's had a home run per 9, and at home so far this year, 297 ERA. He's given up just 3 home runs 
response over the course of 57 and two-thirds innings with opponents taking a 224 off of them, but with the Atlanta Braves as well, this is a team that things have been a little bit rocky with them recently. You take a look at this offense, and you've got a lot of guys that are able to do a good job of being able to go deep for this team as Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley, along with Dansby Swanson, and you're able to throw in their end of all as well, hitting for north of 20 home runs so far this year. Ozzy Albies, along with Dansby Swanson, hitting about a 257 to a 267. Freeman and Riley hitting north of a 295. Ode Solaire only right around the Mendoza line of a 200, but ever since the beginning of the month of July, a double-digit amount of homers for him, so he's got a lot of firepower with regards to this offense, but then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants, and in three out of the last four games that he's played in, Chris Bryant, the only guy with north of 20 home runs on this roster, has been able to go deep. He has been absolutely amazing, but even though you don't have a lot of guys that necessarily have a ton of home runs individually, you've got just a balanced attack with this team as Mike Kostromsky, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, Lamonte Wade, Buster Posey, Wilmer Flores, Jaron Ruff, Austin Dickerson. All between 13 and 20 home runs so far this year. You've got Crawford hitting right around 300. Lamonte Wade, Brandon Belt, Wilmer Flores, Austin Dickerson, only between a 240 to a 250. Buster Posey has a 400 on base. And then with the Giants, this is a team that ranks in the top three with regards to bullpen ERA in the big leagues. Jose Alvarez, Jarlon Garcia have been able to give you some good innings. Dominique Leon, a sub-2 ERA. You've seen trials and tribulations out of guys like Tyler Rogers and Jake McGee, but by and large, they've been able to get the job done. Then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves, and they are getting A.J. Mitter off the injured list, which helps them out. But we have noticed a little bit of shakiness with some guys like Richard Rodriguez, Josh Shumlin. has not necessarily been great, so... Like I said, with the Giants, willing to take them up to about a minus 130, and this is the spot in which an 8 or lower, I'd be taking a look at the over 8.5 or higher, like we're showing right now, looking at the under. 9-11, 9-12 on the main board. The Colorado Rockies hit the road face-off against the LA Dodgers. To be determined, is it going to be going for the Dodgers? Kyle Freeland is going to be on the bump for the Colorado Rockies. Got to think that this might be some sort of a bullpen game for the Dodgers. Would not be surprised if they wind up trotting out their Mitch White, who... I believe last week against the Pittsburgh Pirates wound up coming in after an opener wound up giving the team the first two or so innings and he was able to go north of six strong so I do think that that is certainly going to be an option for the Dodgers and if you do wind up getting Mitch White he has an ERA that probably should be a little bit higher because he's given up quite a few runs that wound up getting marked as unearned runs but by and large he's been able to come in and he's looked a little bit more sharp for the team. He has given up a combined four runs across his last four appearances now two, three and two thirds, four and seven and third innings is the length of those, but he's done a good job of being able to keep opponents in check. The opponent's batting average off of him so far this year is a 205. He's given up four home runs and 15 walks across 35 innings, so he certainly has been able to hold down the fourth. Then you take a look at Kyle Freeland, and ever since he wound up having a really, really bad start to the year, as this is a gentleman in which, after I believe it was five starts this year, he had a north of nine ERA. As a matter of fact, it was after five starts. 9.58 ERA. Ever since then, he has given up more than three earned runs just once, so he has been able to do a tremendous job of being able to keep teams in check, and he's actually pitched quite well against the LA Dodgers as well, so that is something that you're able to rely upon in two starts. He's on two, but a 277 ERA, so certainly has been able to hold it down now with the Colorado Rockies. You're really running a risk with this bullpen, as you've got a guy in Daniel Bard, who's road ERA is right around an eight. That is not what you want from your closer, Carlos Estevez, Ulysses Jacin. They've been able to give you a little bit of something, but man, hard to have a lot of faith in them, and for the Colorado Rockies, this is a bunch that they wound up exploding against the Chicago Cubs on the road, but by and large, they've been scoring the fewest runs per game on the road, fewest home runs per game on the road as well. As you take a look at C.J. Crone, he's got 22 home runs so far this year. 17 of them have come at Coors Field. Connor Joe is someone that is sitting well above a 330 at home, more like a sub-250 on the road. Trevor Sorry sitting right around the Mendoza line whenever he is away from 
Coors Field. You've got Taylor Motter for some reason is getting at bats. He's hitting a buck twenty-five. That's not a surprise. And then you've got an LA Dodgers team that they are locked, loaded, and ready for bear. You've got a Dodgers team in which they are expecting Mookie Betts to be able to come back as he wound up turning to the fold yesterday. Going to be interesting to see if they wind up having him play some back-to-backs. But you've got he, along with Justin Turner down for what? Trey Turner down for what? A.J. Pollock. You're able to throw in there someone like a Max Muncie. list goes on and on of guys that have 15-plus home runs for this team. I don't think I wound up mentioning Chris Taylor along with A.J. Pollock. So you've got a lot of firepower with regards to this lineup. And for the Dodgers, over the last three days, they've got the best bullpen ER out there in the big leagues. Got a little bit tax in that series against the Padres, but you've been able to get Alex Vasilla to actually give you some halfway decent innings. Corey Knievel has come off the injury list, so that should be a little bit of an upgrade. Brasuda Gratterall is starting to look like his normal self. You've had ups and downs with Kenley Jansen, to say the least, but still by and large has been able to do a relatively solid job. So this is a situation which I'll probably be saying the Dodgers has something like a minus 220-ish favorite if we wind up getting Mitch White, which means that on the run line, I'd probably be willing to take the Dodgers up to about a minus 125-ish. We'd probably be looking at a total in which an 8 or lower, I'd be taking a look at the over. 8.5 or higher, we'll be taking a look at the under, but initial thoughts here. Check back in the morning. My Twitter feed at Jaren's Cordy. Well, once we know a little bit more of the plan of attack for the Dodgers. 9-13, 9-14 on the bank board. The Tampa Bay Rays hit the road face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Matt Harvey is going to be going for the Orioles. Shane McLannan is going to be on the bump for the Rays. Rays are finding themselves between minus 220, minus 220, 25 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Orioles, between plus 185 and plus $2 is your price there. Total game is 10.5 over and under are both at minus 105 to minus 115. The Orioles are going for a win streak. To quote Major League, it has happened before. I don't think it's going to be happening, though. You take a look at Matt Harvey, and ever since the All-Star break, he actually has been very good. Post-All-Star break, his ERA is hovering right around, too, so he has certainly been able to lock in his first three starts after the All-Star break. Wound up going six-plus innings, giving up zero runs at every one of them. Since then, things have wound up progressing for him. He's given up three-plus runs in each out of his last three starts, giving up five home runs in those starts. Now, the walks is something that he's been able to keep down. He has given up a grand total of seven walks over the course of his last seven starts, so he's been able to do a good job with regards to command, but he certainly is giving up hard contact, and this is a Tampa Bay Rays team that as of right now, they've got four guys that will give you at least 20 home runs. Wanda Franco currently has an on-base streak at 26 games. He's hitting at 275. He is really blossoming as he, Randy Orozarena, along with Joey Wendell, you're able to throw in there Francisco Mia, all in between a 265 and a 275. Brandon Lau, Nelson Cruz, Austin Meadows, Mike Zanino. All guys with at least 20 home runs. For Lau, you're able to throw in there Meadows as well. Both these guys hitting right around 235 to 240, but their on-base percentage hovering more in the neighborhood of about a 325 to a 335, so they've done a solid job there. Yandy DSG, man, Joy, both of these guys hitting right around 255, but both of their on-base north of a 350 as well. And then with the Rays bullpen, they certainly have been dealing with some injuries, but they've done a good job of mixing and matching. Despite the fact that you don't have Pete Fairbanks along with J.P. Fireisen and Fold, you just continue to have Andrew Kittredge do his work. Colin McKeo has been a very good long reliever for this bunch. Heck, even someone like J.T. Chargois has been very good as well. And then you take a look at what you've been able to get all season long out of McClain, and he has really been able to lock in. Had a little bit of a rough go of it at the beginning of the year, but this is a gentleman that he has given up three runs or fewer in every one of his starts ever since June 2nd. So, 
You're able to date this back to, I believe it's now 12 starts in which he's given up three runs or fear. He's done a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard as well. He has given up three home runs ever since the beginning of the month of July. And for that matter, you're able to go into his last start in the month of June for that as well. So over the course of nine starts, he's given up three home runs. So he has certainly been able to do the job there. And then you take a look at this Baltimore Orioles offense and you're able to get a little bit of something here. You have a couple guys, Trey Boomer, Mancini, Ryan Moncastle, Cedric Mullins, all these guys giving you at least 20 home runs so far this year for Mullins, a 300 batting average. He's been able to go deep 22 times, Moncastle 23 times, and you've got a guy in Anthony Santander who's able to hit right around a 250 for this bunch. Ramon Odias has been able to hit 275. Now, you've got a couple other guys like Calvin Gutierrez, DJ Turnit Up Seward, Jemai Jones, Domingo Leba, Austin Wins. A lot of guys are in a 210 or lower, but certainly have been able to get a little bit of something there. But you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays team, and they should really cut into an Orioles bullpen that, to say that has been bad, has been very good. And they have a guy named Fernando Abad, which that spells out to be a bad, and he has been very, very bad, as his ERA is currently a 9. Connor Green has certainly had his ups and downs. Tanner Scott, Cole Solzer, both of these guys are able to give you a little bit of something. And I like the upside of Tyler Wells, but certainly don't have a lot of faith here with the race. I was willing to lay them up to about a minus 225 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line right now of the Rays, you're going to be finding that anywhere between about a minus 142 and minus 150. I was willing to lay up to a minus 153, so I feel comfortable taking the Rays on the run line. Also, why I'm saying this all at 10.1 because RV has been a little bit better. I think that the bullpen might light this on fire late, but McClanahan has also been able to lock in. So, going under along the Rays on the run line. 915-916 on the bank board. The Boston Red Sox hit the red face off against the Cleveland Indians. Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be going for the Sox. Meanwhile, to be determined, is going to be on the bump for the Cleveland Indians. The Indians were looking like they were going to be going with Tristan McKenzie. I think that he might be dealing with COVID, some injuries. So this is most likely going to be a bullpen game if it winds up being something like John Carlos Mejia, who has been sent back up to the major leagues, or Alex Young. Probably going to be setting the Red Sox as right around like a minus 150-ish favorite, but do not quote me on that one. I'm trying to gather as much information as possible because you take a look at this Boston Red Sox team and the lineup has certainly been there. They've had their ups and their downs a little bit, but got a guy in Kyle Schwarber who's now starting to find it with this team. He's got 26 home runs overall. He, along with Rafael Devers, and you're able to throw in there so many other guys like an Alex Verdugo, J.D. Martinez. All these guys are in between a 265 and a 290, so they certainly have been able to do a good job of being able to get on base. Christian Arroyo's back in the fold. He, Christian Vasquez, Kike Hernandez, Hunter Renfro, all in between about a 252 and 270 themselves. And for Renfro, 25 home runs so far this year. Devers has been in the top three with regards to RBI among active players in the league this season, so he's been able to do a nice job. And then you take a look at this Red Sox bullpen, and it has been rough over the last 21 days. They're in the bottom five in the league with that regard, but overall this year, it's right around league average, and so Robles has certainly not been able to do a good job for you, but here to Kazus Automoda, he's been able to give you some good innings where Garrett Woodlock is a very good two-inning guy. Matt Barnes has certainly hit a little bit of a wall, but even Adam Adovino has been able to give you a tad bit of something. Now, you take a look at Mr. Eduardo Rodriguez, and He's actually been able to lend some relatively solid starts recently, and it's really been one good start, one bad start from as he wound up giving up five runs in his last start against the Texas Rangers. Prior to that, he had given up a combined three runs in his last three starts, so certainly has been some ups and downs there, and the walks issues are starting to manifest themselves. Three plus walks in three out of his last five starts when he wound up blast pitching a full season in 2019, led the American League in walks that season. He had really been able to rein it in, and still fewer than three walks per nine innings so far this year. He's given up right around 1.2-ish home runs per nine innings, and it's actually been a little bit better on the road. 484 road ERA, 
569, home ERA in 14 starts on the road. He's given up nine home runs in 70 and two-thirds innings, but opponents are getting a 281 off of him. Meanwhile, if you wind up getting John Carlos Mejia, he's got nearly a nine ERA. He's been absolutely terrible. And for the Indians, the offense has really been able to get cooking as well. You take a look at this bunch in a mid-Rosario. is hitting a 290 for them. You've got Bradley Zimmer, able to throw in their Daniel Johnson, Jose Ramirez, Framio Reyes. All these guys are in between about a 240 to a 255 with Reyes and Ramirez. Both of these guys have really been able to go yard for you. Reyes has 23 home runs so far this year. Slow down ever since the beginning of the month of August as in July he had a double digit amount of bombs with Jose Ramirez. 29 bombs, 3 miles straw, hitting right around 8270. Then you do have Owen Miller, Yu Chang, Austin Edris, Andres, Jimenez, all these guys hitting a buck 90 or lower. But for the Indians as well, bullpen has been relatively solid. James Karinchuk, after he wound up having his ups and his downs, has been able to rein it in a little bit more. Blake Parker is someone that's able to give you some very solid innings. They have been dealing with an injury to Nick Sandlin, but Emmanuel Classe has been very solid for this bunch as well. So that's why I'd probably be sending the Red Sox if you wind up getting someone like a John Carlos Mejia, someone like that, about a minus 150-ish favorite. And when it comes to a total, I would not be surprised if I wind up setting it to where I would need double digits to be able to take a look at the under. So anything at a 9.5 or lower would probably be taking a look at the over. Check back in the morning my Twitter feed at Jaren Scorty. One need to know the plan of attack for the Indians, but initial thoughts there. 917-918 on the bang board. The Detroit Tigers are going to be playing the Toronto Blue Jays. Steven Metz is going to be going for the Jays. Matt Manning is going to be on the bump for the Tigers. Tigers are fan themselves as underdogs. Any between plus 135 and plus 145. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Blue Jays, any working minus 150 and minus 157, 9.5 is your total. Over and under are both at minus 110. For Matt's, it is always the experience of him giving some really, really good starts. And then he is always good for like once a month, a big giant clunkaroonie. So it is going to be very fascinating to see what happens because Mets has actually been relatively solid recently for the Blue Jays and he's going up against a guy in Matt Manning that he actually landed a good start his last time out. Gave up two runs and four two-thirds innings against the LA Angels. The walks were a little bit of an issue. He wound up giving up four walks in that start after he had given up 13 walks in his first like 50 innings of the season, but he certainly didn't do bad, and then the bullpen wound up giving up 11 runs in about 4 innings, so you wound up having that going on. Meanwhile, you take a look at Steven Madsen. He has given up, when it comes to earned runs, 2 or fewer in each out of his last Four starts in that time span. A combined three earned runs surrendered. He has given up a combined eight walks in his last five starts. Now, the strikeouts are not there. Five punch outs are fewer in four out of his last five starts. But by and large, he's been able to do a good job of keeping the ball in the yard, giving up 1.1 home runs per nine innings, right around two and a half walks per nine. And this is a gentleman that, when he's been on the road, which it's not saying much because the Blue Jays have pretty much been nomads all year long. 373 ERA, 7-4 record, giving up seven home runs in 62 and two-thirds innings. But you take a look at this Blue Jays lineup, and they certainly do have a lot of firepower. They've had their ups and their downs recently with the injury to George Springer, but still, Marcus Simeon sitting at 270. He's been able to give you north of 30 home runs so far this year, up to 32 for the campaign. Vlagero Jr., he's been able to give you 36 with 90 RBI, hitting a 300 Alante Oscar Hernandez. Santiago Espinal is hitting at 295. Not a lot of firepower there, but with that said, you've got Lourdes Gurriel, Corey Dickerson, Reese McGuire, all these guys in between a 260 and a 265. Randall Kritchik, seen his batting average up to about a 245. Doesn't draw a lot of walks, but he does give you 21 home runs so far this year on Bobachet. North of 20 home runs, he's hitting a 280. So you're certainly locked and loaded there. 
with the Blue Jays' bullpen. It has been showing some signs of leakiness, Brad, and once again, wound up having a bad outing yesterday, so that's not necessarily what you're hoping for. Trevor Richards has had his ups and his downs as well, along with Adam Simber, but I do think that they're going to be able to figure it out a little bit more, and then you take a look at what you're able to get out of the Detroit Tigers, and there was a stretch in which the bullpen was absolutely nails the last week or so. Certainly has not necessarily been as great. Alex Lang is someone who's had his ups and his downs, but still, Gregory Soto, you're able to throw in there. Kyle Funkhauser, Jose Cicerno, these guys have sub-3-5 ERA, so they certainly have been able to do a little bit of their part, and for the Detroit Tigers, this is a team that they've been dealing with a little bit of a banged-up Eric Haas, but he, along Along with Jonathan Scope and Robbie Grossman, everybody will give you 18 and 20 home runs. With Haas out of the fold, it certainly has been a little bit more of a turnstile at the catcher spot, but you also do have quite a few guys that will be able to get on base for you, like a Jameer Candelario, a 375 batting average. Akil Badu is back at the fold. He's been able to give you right in the neighborhood about a 350 on base. You got Miguel Cabrera, Mr. 501, who's hitting a 250 for this team. You got a couple guys like Zach Short, Victor Reyes, that have been not necessarily so great with the bat, but still, you've been able to get a little bit more out of the Detroit Tigers. This is a situation, though, that I do think that we are going to be seeing the Blue Jays really be able to bust out with the bats. I want to saying them as a minus 151 favorite. If you're looking at the run line, you're getting them more around even money. You're even seeing them laying a price. That's a little bit too much. I'm seeing the minus 150 on the money line, and I'm going to be taking a look at that rather than laying the run line just because you're not getting a plus price. I did wind up saying this total at 9.8. So looking at the Blue Jays on the money line to go along with this total over 919, 920 on the betting board. The Houston Astros are going to be in the road to face off against the Walker, Texas Rangers. To be determined is going to be going for the Rangers. It's looking like a bullpen game for them. Meanwhile, Jake Goderizzi is going to be going for the Astros. If it is a bullpen game for the Rangers, I'm going to be setting this with the Astros at minus 213 on my personal line. We'll be willing to lay up to about a minus 140 on the run line and an 8.7 total. So an 8.5 or lower would be taking a look at the over. 9 or higher would be taking a look at the under for Odorizzi. Certainly has had his ups and his downs, but he's also facing off against a Texas Rangers team that is averaging a full run less per game since the All-Star break among all MLB teams. There's just nobody that's been as inept on offense as them. Now, I will say for the Texas Rangers, they were able to get a little bit of something going yesterday. You've got Andy Ibanez, Nate Lowe, along with Isaiah Canera-Falefa, all leading now between a 255 and even as I uh, 270 and for Adolis Garcia, saying more like a 245. He has been able to go deep 27 times, but 16 of those home runs came before May 28th, so he has certainly seen a little bit of coolage there. You've been able to have Nick Solak, Jose Trevino, give you a tad bit of something, but then you get into DJ Peters, Leotis Tavares. You've got someone like a Jason Martin. List goes on and on of guys. They're in below a 220 for this bunch. And for the Texas Rangers, the bullpen has been far from great for them. Brett Martin has been able to give you some very good innings. Spencer Patton has come up from the minors, hit, pitching right around a 3-4-ish ERA, so he's been able to give you a little bit of something, but then you got Wes Benjamin and his 7 ERA. Jarrell Kahn has been posting an ERA right around a 525 to Marcus Evans, right around a 5 ERA himself. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Houston Astros, and the bullpen still isn't great. Emi Garcia has had his ups and his downs recently, but still, you've been able to have Kendall Graveman come in and give you some absolutely superb work. I do like what you're able to get out of Ryan Stanek as well, and this is an Astros team that, well, they just ripped the cover off the ball. It's You've got Alex Bregman returning to the fold for this team. That is absolutely massive, and he's paired up with Jose Altuve, along with Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa, all guys that are hitting between about a 272 and a 285. Throwing their Kyle Tucker as well, and with all these guys, at least 19 home runs between them. LMNDC is sitting at 300. Yoli Gurriel, 315 batting average. He's went deep 13 times. Jordan Alvarez has been able to provide 26 bombs. You've even had Jake Myers hitting above a 300 for this bunch. Michael Brantley, he's hitting about a 315, so you've 
you've got a Houston Astros lineup that is locked and loaded. So like I said, eight and a half or lower taking a look at the over, nine or higher going to be taking a look at the under because when you take a look at Jake Odorizzi, is he the world's greatest starter? No, but at the same time, he is going to be going up against this really bad Texas Rangers lineup. He has a 531 ERA on the road. Give it up 10 home runs in 42 and a third innings, but we've also noticed that Texas has been a very pitcher-friendly ballpark ever since the new Globe Life Park has wound up opening up, so that's why I've got a little bit of a lower total. And with the Astros, want to lay up to about a minus 215-ish on the money line and up to about a minus 140 on the run line. 921-922 on the betting board. The New York Yankees hit the road face-off against the Oakland A's by New York Post play of the day as you've got Chaminet on the bump for the A's. Garrett Cole is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. Yankees between minus 140, minus 141 favorites with the A's anywhere between plus 1 20 and plus 131. 7.5 is your total. Overs at minus 115. The under is minus 105. New York Post play of the day. We're going to be going with an under much like yesterday. I wound up saying the total more around a 6.8. So I do like this under. You take a look at what Garrett Cole has been able to do. He's currently the league leader in strikeouts and whip among qualifying pitchers. And he has looked really good recently. He has given up one earned run or fewer in three out of his last five starts. Three earned runs or fewer in four out of his last five. Ever since coming off the COVID IL, he has went 11 and two-thirds innings, giving up just one run. And his walks have been absolutely pristine. This is someone that's giving up right in the neighborhood, about two walks per nine innings all season long. Two walks for fear. Give it up in each out of his last five starts. So he has been able to lock in. And this is an Oakland A's team that when it comes to home runs in their home ballpark, third fewest in the American League so far this year. Now I will say with the Oakland A's, you have been able to spread out these home runs quite a bit. Matt Olson has no doubt been the flag bearer for the team. 32 home runs so far this year. But Seth Brown, Ramon Laureano, who obviously is not going to be playing. He's currently out due to PEDs. Sean Murphy, Jed Lowry, Mark Canna, Mitch Moreland, all between 10 and 16 home runs so far this year. Now, Matt Chapman has really been able to heat up here in the month of August. This is a gentleman that here in this month has been able to go deep five times. He's got a batting average that has been able to be right around at 250 with a 372 on base. So, he wound up having a really rough start to the year. He's been able to pick it up a little bit recently and got quite a few guys to do a solid job of BL reach base. Mr. Olsen, you're able to throw in there, Mark Canna. Tony Kemp. These guys have between a 360 and a 375 on base. And then you've got the Marte Parte of Sterling Marte, who's hitting well above a 300. And then you take a look at Shamanea. He has given up three runs or fewer in 14 out of his last 17 starts. He's had his trials and tribulations recently, giving up at least three runs in three out of his last four starts. But you take a look at him as well. And this is someone that has been able to do a relatively solid job at home. 379 ERA in 13 starts. He has been able to get right around a strikeout per nine innings and his walks per nine whenever he's been at home. That is right around a 1.8. Backed up by a bullpen that ever since the beginning of the month of July has had a top five ERA. You've got AJ Puck who's had his ups and downs, but he's got really good stuff. Sergio Romo since the beginning of the month of June, a sub two ERA. Lou Trevino has been a little bit shaky recently, but still a two four ERA. One of the better closers that you're going to find in the big leagues. Andrew Chafin, Jake Diekman. These guys have been able to do their part. And for the Yankees, Rollis Chapman certainly has not necessarily looked great since coming off the injured list, but Chad Green in anything other than the ninth inning has looked very good. I like what you're able to get out of Lucas Lutke. You've got Clay Holmes coming off the injured list for this team as well. Albert Abreu, I think, is going to be able to contribute as well. And then you take a look at the New York Yankees, and this is a bunch of what you're doing. A good job will be able to put back to ball. Joey Gallo, along with Aaron Judge, these guys have a combined 56 home runs. Both of these guys, along with John Carlos Sain, between 365 and 380 on bases. Now, for Gallo, only in a 206, and that's a little bit of an issue for this Yankees team as Gallo. You're able to throw in there Gary Sanchez, Kyle Gashioka, Rudnett Odor. These guys have been hitting below a 220. You're able to throw in there Jonathan Davis. 
Davis and obviously Brett Gardner as well, but Luke Voigt, he's now hitting about a 266, looking a little bit more like his 2020 form. Anthony Rizzo has had his ups and downs ever since joining the Yankees, but he certainly is a professional bat. He'll be able to give you a little bit of something. DJ LeMayu, he's hitting about a 270, and then you take a look at what you're able to get just out of the Oakland A's in general, and this is a team that they've just been a little bit all or nothing when it comes to being able to play runs, so I do think that this is going to be a fascinating outlook for a Yankees team that has given up four runs or fewer in now 11 out of their last 13 games. And then you take a look at the Oakland A's. They wound up scoring a combined five runs in their last three. So certainly has been a little bit up and down for them. I think that Cole is going to be on his game. So wound up saying the Yankees as a minus 146 favorite. So I'm going to be taking the Yankees on the money line. And more importantly, the New York Post the other day, the under. 923-924 on the banking board. The Kansas City Royals hit the road face off against the Seattle Mariners. Logan Gilbert is going to be going for the Mariners, according to ESPN. Currently, the betting board has to be determined, so we've only got a number currently up at DraftKings. Meanwhile, Chris with a K, Bubich is going to be going for the Royals. Trollin's game at DraftKings is 8 with the over and under, both at minus 110. Mariners are minus 170, plus 150 is what you're finding on the Kansas City Royals. With Chris with a K, Bubich, whenever you think that he's turning the corner, it's a Bubich trap, as he has certainly had his ups and his downs so far this year. He has given up right around 1.9 home runs per 9 innings, so that has been very brutal and on the road a 564 ERA he has made 11 total appearances 7 starts 15 home runs given up in 44 and 2 thirds innings I do think that you're going to see a little bit of regression there as he has gotten very unlucky with that meanwhile you take a look at Logan Gilbert and he's actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home 515 home ERA 517 road ERA, so now that's relatively equal, but has given up 7 home runs at home, meanwhile 5 on the road, and his opponent's batting average, 256 at home, 229 on the road, so I do find that to be a little bit fascinating, and for Gilbert, things have really started to dry up for him, as he's now given up at least 3 runs in 4 out of his last 5 starts. The team had won 11 straight starts by him, they have now lost 4 straights, and he wound up getting destroyed by the Houston Astros, but if you take that out of the fold, he has still been relatively solid, and then got a Mariners team that they're starting to do a better job of being able to get on base. Got a pair of guys in Kyle Seager and Mitch Hanniger, 29 home runs. Now I will say, with Hanniger, you're able to throw in there Jake Bowers, Cal Raleigh, Jared Kelnick, Dylan Moore, Jake Fraley, all these guys are hitting a 225 or lower for this bunch, but you got J.P. Crawford hitting a 265 tie France. He's hitting a 290. He's come up with a pair of clutch home runs so far this week as well. Hanniger himself hitting a 255, and then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals. Lots of guys hitting between about a 268 to a 275-ish, even a 280-ish. In the case of Whit Merrifield, Emmanuel Rivera's in that fold. Answer Alberto, Nicky Lopez, Salvador Perez. So they've been able to do a solid job there. And then Andrew Benatendi hitting a 260. But with Perez, how about 34 home runs at 82 RBI? He has been tremendous. Now, Carlos Santana has been out of the fold recently. He just hasn't been able to find it ever since the beginning of the month of July. Hitting right around the Mendoza line of a 200. You've been able to get Michael A. Taylor on. He's hitting about a 245. And then you take a look at this Kansas City Royal bullpen. They are currently without Jake Brent, so that hurts them a little bit. Scott Barlow has been able to do a relatively solid job, and I do like what you're able to get out of Joel Payampas, a guy that they wanted picking up his right around 2-5 ERA so far this season, so he's been able to do a good job. Domingo Tapia set his ups and his downs, but I actually think that there's a little bit of upside there as compared to a guy like a Wade Davis. They're currently without Greg Holland as he is injured, probably not going to be returning for the rest of the year, so you certainly have a little bit that is going on there, and when it comes to Gilbert and company, wound up saying the Mariners as a minus 163 favorite. I would need about a plus 115 to be able to take a shot on them on the run line. I did wind up saying it's all 8.7. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of positive regression here for both Mr. Chris with the K. Bubich 
along with Logan Gilbert. But if you're giving me an eight, like we're currently seeing at DraftKings, I'm certainly going to be taking a look at that over with both of these guys' recent form. But once we wind up getting a little bit more clarity and some more numbers, I will update this accordingly. But like I said, if it does wind up being Gilbert versus Bubich, going to be setting the Mariners at minus 163 and an 8.5 or lower, we'll be taking a look at the over. Nine or I will be taking a look at the under. 925-926 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins are going to be playing us the Milwaukee Brewers. Eric Lauer is going to be going for the Brew Crew. You've got, and I'm not even kidding here, 35-year-old Andrew Albers going for the Minnesota Twins. Your total on this game is 9.5 with the over. Anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. If you're looking at the Brewers, anywhere between minus 127 and minus 135. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Minnesota Twins is anywhere between plus 115 and plus 123. I thought this was like an April Fool's joke in August when I wound up seeing Andrew Albers getting the start for the Minnesota Twins. This is a guy that is 35 years old, and he has been a very well-traveled gentleman as this is someone that last year was pitching in the Nippon Baseball League in Japan. A few years ago, he was pitching in the KBO as well. This has never been a high strikeout guy. If you take a look at his five-year MLB career, 7-6 with a 4.04 ERA. His last start came in 2017 with the Seattle Mariners. So it has certainly been a winding road for this gentleman across all forms of minor league baseball so far this year. A 3.86 ERA, 6-4 record. He has been able to do a solid job of being able to lock in as he has only given up, I believe now, one walk per nine innings. So his command is there. Problem is, he's also giving up about 11 hits per nine innings, and that's at the minor league level. And he's going up against a guy in Eric Lauer who has one of the highest usages of his fastball out there in the big leagues, but he's been relatively effective with it. You take a look at Eric Lauer, and it certainly has been a little bit of an up-and-down season, but he has given up right around 1.3-ish home runs per nine innings, a 3.6 ERA. He's given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts, and you're actually able to date that back a little bit longer, as this is a gentleman that has now given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last eight starts. He has given up one home run over the course of his last eight starts as well, so he has really been able to lock in with that regard. Now, you take a look at Eric Lauer and what he's been able to do on the road, and it's actually been very pristine. 297 ERA. Now, this is over the course of four starts, seven total appearances, so not a ton of innings, and he has given up the deep ball. Six home runs given up at 30 and a third innings, but upon starting at 219 off of him, he's been able to do a good job of being able to keep the walks down, and with the Milwaukee Brewers, they did wind up running through their bullpen a little bit, but you're going to have your guys like Devin Williams, Josh Hader, and company who are all going to be available, along with Brad Boxberg. And this is a Milwaukee Brewers team that they are dealing with a couple of injuries. Willie Adamas has been out in recent days, but you still have Omar Narvaez, Colton Wong, along with Avi Sale Garcia, all hitting between about a 275 and a 290 with Garcia. He has been able to supply the team with 24 home runs. We've had Eduardo Escobar in and out of the fold as well, but Luis Odias has been able to provide 16 home runs. He's hitting about a 250 for this bunch. Roddy Tellas, ever since getting to Milwaukee, has been hitting more like a 300 as well, so you've gotten a lot of good things there. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, and this is a bunch of which you're going to be having to travel back from the East Coast after having to play a night game against the Boston Red Sox. Now, do have a couple guys getting on base for you. Williams Estadio, Rob Ravsteiner, you're able to throw in there. Ori Palunco wound up getting a day off yesterday. These guys are in between a 260 and a 275. And for Palunco, north of 20 home runs so far this year, Josh Donaldson has right around a 350 on base. He's been able to supply 16 home runs. And you do have quite a few guys that have been able to pick it up a little bit with their batting average. But still, a lot of these guys have been rough for the year. 
Jake Cave, Max Kepler, Brent Rooker, Miguel Sano, Andrelton Simmons, and Ryan Jeffers all hitting at 225 or lower. Though I will say for Miguel Sano, 22 home runs so far this year. If you take a look at him ever since the beginning of the month of July, he's hitting more like a 245 with about a 345 on base. So he's been able to lock in a little bit there, but you also take a look at this Minnesota Twins bullpen because I am not expecting a lot of length out of Mr. Albers, and it's not great. They're kicking the tires on Kyle Bearclaw at this point. Danny Colombe has seen a little bit of regression. Ralph Garza Jr. is actually something I like out of the bullpen right around a 3-3 ERA, but Edgar Garcia is rocking that 9 ERA as of right now. Wamanaya seeing a little bit of regression along Caleb Theobar as well, so I take a look at this spot, and I do think that Eric Lauer is going to be able to turn a very good start for the Milwaukee Brewers. I think that this is much too short of a line, as I want to saying the Brewers is more around a minus 165-ish favorite. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Brewer, you're finding that anywhere between a plus 110 to a plus 115, I would like to be able to get a little bit more of a plus price. It fits my threshold, but I've got a much bigger differential on the money line, so I'm going to be riding with that. Wanted up saying the sold 9.6 as well. So going over along with the Brew Crew. 927, 928 on the banking board. The battle for Chicago as the White Sox are going to be playing us to the Cubs. Keegan Thompson is going to be going for the Cubs. Dallas Keuchel on the bump for the White Sox, who find themselves as favorites between minus 215 and minus 220, plus price with the Cubbies. As any 14 plus 180 and plus 195, 9.5 is your total. Unders any 14 minus 115 and minus 120, overs between even a minus 105. For Thompson, he has made now a little bit more of a start for the Chicago Cubs, and thus far, he hasn't necessarily been too bad for the team. 3-3 three three record, 242 ERA. He has given up right around 1.5 home runs per 9 innings, but in his last go of it against the Kansas City Royals, Four innings, gave up two runs. I expect a little bit more of that from him as he's made two starts. He's mostly been used as a bullpen guy, so they're really starting to try to lengthen him out. Meanwhile, you take a look at Dallas Keuchel, and it's been a little bit rough for him. He's given up at least four runs, and now three out of his last five starts, giving up at least two runs in every one of them. Now, he's only given up two home runs in his last four starts, so he's been able to do a relatively solid job of locking in, but as we know, not much of a strikeout guy at this part of his career. He's getting right around five and a half to six strikeouts per nine innings, but you do take a look at him at home. 407 ERA compared to a 546 on the road. He has given up the 13 home runs in 73 innings in Chicago. Meanwhile, that shrinks to nine and 62 and two-thirds innings on the road, so you've got a little bit of this and that going on, and for the White Sox, it certainly has been a trial by fire when it comes to their bullpen as Greg Kimbrell was not necessarily looking so great in the 8th inning role. They moved him to the ninth inning yesterday, and boom, he wound up getting out of it in 6 pitches, so that was something interesting. Michael Kopech wound up getting completely lit up yesterday, but Ryan Tapera has looked very solid, only wound up going for 8 pitches yesterday. Liam Hendricks, I still think, has a lot of value for the team. Aaron Bummer has been a little bit of a bummer, but I think that he's going to be able to figure it out, and they have figured it out with Jose Abreu, who currently leads the league with 97 RBI, one team for his 27th home run of the season. He, along with Andrew Vaughn, and Lori Garcia, only between about a 250 to a 260. Vaughn has been able to go deep for you now 15 times so far this year as well. Tim Anderson is back to full. He's hitting above the 300. Luis Robert is hitting about a 330 as well. This is a team that they do a very good job against left-handed pitching, so having a righty out there in Thompson, not necessarily ideal, but at the same time, the good news is the Cubs have quite a few lefties in their bullpen, and well, the Cubs bullpen has been very bad, and that's putting it very politely, as ever since the trade deadline, they have been pretty much rock bottom with regards to National League teams, with regards their bullpen as Manuel Rodriguez, Michael Rocker, Adrian Sampson, Rowan Wick, our guys are currently coming out of there instead of guys like Ryan DePere and Craig Kimbrell. So that has been not good for them. Now, I will say for the Cubs, I have a couple guys that are doing a very good job of hitting for the team. Rafael Ortega and Frank Schwindel, both hitting north of a 295 for the team with Schwindel. Hitting more like a 325. You've had Patrick Wisdom doing a very solid job for the team. 21 home runs, 250 batting average. Not much more needs to be said there, but David Bodie, Austin Romine, Jason Award, Ian App. Sergio Alcantro, Michael Hermosillo, 
All these guys are in a 210 or lower, so that has been rough. Matt Duffy's been able to about a 260 for the scene, but it is really tough to be taking a look at the Cubs in this spot. I want to saying them as a plus 226 underdog. If you're looking at the run line of the White Sox, you're finding this anywhere between a minus 115 to a minus 120. I was willing to lay a minus 135, so sign me up for that. Also set this all at 9.2. I think that the Cubs are going to have a tough time being able to hit the White Sox in this spot, and I do think that things are going to be a little bit more pitcher-friendly in this environment as well. So we're going to be taking the under, and I'm going to be taking the White Sox on the run line. We're wrap things up with 929, 930 on the main board. The Diego Padres hit the road to face off against the LA Angels. The Angels have a to-be-determined starter. Meanwhile, Joe Musgrove is going to be on the bump for the Padres. This is a spot in which, if you do wind up getting some sort of a bullpen game with the Angels, because it was supposed to be Reed Detmers, he has been placed on the injured list a little bit unexpectedly, so they are sort of in mad scramble mode. I'd probably be setting the Padres as right around about a minus 175-ish favorite. You take a look at the Angels, and I thought that Jose Quintana might have been a candidate to be able to pitch this game. Jose Quintana wound up pitching two innings yesterday, so he's probably not going to be coming out of the fold. It's been really rough in general for the Angels as they wound up losing back-to-back games to the Washington Generals. I mean, the Baltimore Orioles as Shohei Otani was able to find it. 41st home run of the season, but if you take a look over his last 28 games, he's only got four home runs. Things have been slowing down for him. He, Phil Gosselin, you're able to throw in there. Jared Walsh, Brandon Marsh only between a 260 and 275. And David Fletcher, he's been able to keep things going, hitting a 295, but ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's shrunk down a little bit with regards to his batting average. Jack Mayfield needs to give you a little bit more at the bottom portion of the lineup, Joe Adele currently out there for his glove. And then you take a look at the Angels, and this has not been a good bullpen all year long. Junior Guerra is someone that used to be a starter. you got to figure that he's probably going to be giving you a couple innings in this spot. Jose Quijada, he's got an ERA that's hovering right around 450, but I think we're going to see a little bit of regression there. Sam Selman might be able to give you a couple innings, but not necessarily a good outlook there. Meanwhile, for Joe Musgrove, he's won the biggest constants for the Padres so far this year. Now, he has been a little bit up and down with regards to what he gives you on a start-by-start basis, because in his last six starts, he has given up two runs or fewer in in five of them, he wound up getting lit up for one for six runs and five innings against the Arizona Diamondbacks as well. So, you've got a little bit of ups and downs there. He has been giving up a little bit of hard contact, giving up three home runs over the course of his last four starts, but by and large, has been able to do a very solid job. And you take a look at Musgrove on the road, 386 ERA compared to a 236 at home, but still has been able to do the job. He's given up right around two walks per nine innings whenever he's been on the road, and opponents are getting a 216 off of him. And then for the Padres, the thing that has not necessarily been a question for this team is the hitting. Timely hitting has not necessarily been there, but you've got a man in Fernando Tatis Jr., who has been able to do a little bit of everything for the team. About 35 home runs going into yesterday. He, along Jay Cronenworth, Manny Machado, you're able to throw in there Eric Cosmer. All guys hitting at least a 270 for this bunch, so that has been rock solid. You've got Jerickson Profar, Tommy Pham, along Trent Grisham. All guys hitting between about a 238 and a 250, and all these guys have really north of a 325 on base, so they've been able to do a solid job there. Austin Supernola is hitting about a 270 for this team. And with the Padres, the bullpen is very good. It's been taxed a little bit, but they have been able to get some good innings recently. Now, the 16-9 game against the Dodgers wound up depleting them a little bit, but Mark Melanson, Pierce Johnson, Nisbell, Chris Matt, you're able to throw in there Austin Adams. These guys have been able to do a relatively solid job, so this is a situation which, if it's bullpen game versus Musgrove, I'd be setting this all at 8.9, so an 8.5 for Laura will be taking a look at the over 9 or higher, we'll be taking a look at the under, and I'd be setting the Padres probably in the neighborhood about a minus 175, but need to know a little bit more of the plan of the attack for the Angels in this spot, and just need to see how the Padres wind up maneuvering their bullpen on Thursday as well. 
And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Friday. A big thanks to Scott Seidenberg doing some terrific work with us over at the Vegas Sats and Information Network. He joined me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, if you got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is by Twitter timeline at Jaren's41. Keep in mind, letters EM, Amy does not matter. So as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast into the comment section of that five-star review. Going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.